Right. Hey, Nick, what was that fat tip for fat people we made up while walking back from Dairy Queen? Was it to eat standing up so you burn yeah, more eat, calories? Eat while, eat while moving. Eat while moving. Fat tip for fat people. Eat whatever you want. Just be sure you're fucking moving. Cardio, people. Cardio. It's like rule number one. Hopefully I'm not bad for much longer as I'm dying in the pool. All right, and welcome everyone well, to another wonderful episode of Drunken Jurors. Uh, this is episode like 14 now, I believe. I like to say random numbers. I think count 14. the item. Like, do we count these? <laughs> yeah, 14 sounds about right. I'm not paying enough to count. Yeah, well, you don't have the high enough IQ to do it either. So here we are. This is a, this is a fun one. Pretty, might be kind of shortish. I don't know. We'll see how much we get into it. It's a, it's wild story though. So my source for this was actually a documentary I watched because I tried reading the book, but at the beginning of it, it said like partially fiction about certain characters. And I was like, I don't want that shit. And I couldn't like cross-reference the actual victims because they're all like homeless people that are drug addicts or alcoholics or had mental illnesses back in the 80s. So not a lot to go on for that. That sounds reliable. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it, whatever, whatever I can find in this documentary about victims, I'll deal with. And we'll go from there. Uh, it goes in the order of the documentary because it was just, it was honestly a pretty good documentary to sum up this whole thing. So pretty much just going through the timeline. The the documentary? That's what we're getting to. No, that's oh. what I was about to do. It's uh, from Crime Story, season four, episode four, The Boarding House Killer. Spooky, spooky. Hot. Yeah. Fucking when you're, when old women get the urge to kill and by that i mean the one old woman who killed many of people we almost had that work today it was fucking fun oh i'm sure Murder? they asked they asked for her id to cash a check yeah people get mad about she wasn't that. happy about that yeah people don't like that as someone who worked at was a bank it my for grandmother years, <laughs> as someone who worked at a bank for three years might be people do not appreciate when you don't remember them all right so um the killer for today uh her name was dorothea helen gray her name throughout this will be Strong dorothea name. it will be dorothea pute 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 can i can i get a nationality of that name sir pute i don't know swedish we'll it it's pewdiepie <laughs> that is not swedish um so yeah dorothea was born on january 9th 1929 in Redlands, California, to a Trudy May Yates and Jesse James Gray. 29, a good year. Oh, yes. One of the best. Yes, yes. Great Depression. <laughs> Night of the Long Knives. It's really a strong year for history. Her parents worked as cotton pickers. Her father died of tuberculosis when she was eight years old and, um, in 1937. And then not even a year later, her mother died in a motorcycle accident. They so, didn't have those back then. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that... The uh, tricycle, maybe. You go vroom, vroom. You go fast. They had fast. ATVs, though. It went vroom, vroom, and fast enough for her mom to kill herself on it. So, <laughs> too far? Too dark already? No. I mean, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> I accept it. So, she was sent to an orphanage um, until she ended up in Fresno, California with a couple relatives. I've been to Fresno once. Yeah, I, I haven't. I, I I've never been to California. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a desire to go either. 
Me neither. Fresno sounds like not fun. So in 1945, she married for the first time at the age of 16 to a soldier named Fred McFowl. McFall. <laughs> oh, there's a lot to unwrap in that one sentence. Married at 16. Ah. Uh, a guy named Fred. Ooh. And first marriage? Oh, yeah. We got a couple. And by that, I mean... Oh, it's one of those! It's one of those! Yeah. Was it a shotgun wedding? I don't think so. Oh, God, I hope not. Um, I feel like Fresno's like the Detroit of the West. Nothing's like Detroit. Nowhere else in the world can you have your front porch stolen. I mean, when was this? This was the tw- like 30s, 40s. No, that's was- when she gets married. It's 45. No, Detroit and like wasn't bad then. Detroit was actually really a good city. Then. I'm talking about Detroit like- now. Is <laughs> like oh Fresno Detroit now? now? Yeah, no, no, you can't have shit in Detroit. Can't even have a front porch. All right. Uh, Fred was a soldier who had just returned from uh, the Pacific Theater. Dorothea ended up having two daughters between 1946 and 48, but she sent one to relatives in Sacramento's Sacramento and gave the other up for adoption. She's she's not a mother. You will, as we will find Bold. out, she is not a mother. It's wild that you wouldn't, just, you know, do both of those things at the same time. <laughs> hey, I had these two kids. Anyone want these things? Basically, wow. Alec. The answer is always no. So in 1948, she became uh, pregnant again, but suffered a miscarriage. And then in late 1948, Fred left her. And with her being humiliated that she was abandoned. Like I said, his name is Fred, so (laughs) bad signs. So um, after she was humiliated by being abandoned, she would then lie about this marriage and claim that her husband died of a heart attack within days of their union. Because why the fuck? not yes because the internet was very it was very easy to get these types of papers back then this next thing is a uh, common thread of how uh how her life goes and one of her favorite was things it six to do. more husbands no it's uh she tried was to it getting pregnant well oh. yeah i think she does end up getting pregnant again at some point but um she tried to forge checks but was caught and sentenced to a year in jail and then was paroled only after six months and then so after her release, she's a shitty Leonardo DiCaprio from that one movie. Yes, nice. Um, so soon Catch after, if you can. <laughs> soon after her release, she was impregnated by a man she barely knew and gave birth to a daughter, whom she gave up for adoption. What was his yeah, name? Yeah, that sounds like a it probably doesn't a doesn't say. His name was probably J K M N O. And then she married the best person because of his Noel. <laughs> no. 19 in 1952 she married a swede she married a swede what part of i need this to be easy to edit did you not fucking get in 1952 she married a swede named axel johansson (laughs) we're going back to swedish we're going back we somehow ended up with a swede i bet you his middle name was like frederick and then she was married to him for 14 years and then in 1960 how many of those years was he alive all, all of them, from what I know. Oh, oh wow. But it's also likely that he was dead for most of them, as we'll get into later in this story. Because uh, he that sold his here. soul to the devil. In the guys, this is even like this is just the backstory leading up to the whole shit show that we're getting into. <laughs> well, yeah, we can't make fun of victims. There's not a lot 
about the victims. So in 1960, she was arrested for owning and managing a brothel and was sentenced to 90 days in jail. Really, what I'm hearing is that she's an entrepreneur targeted by the American justice system. She's a That's local really business owner. She's just yeah. a local business owner being fucked over by the big guy. Yeah, really, I think we can blame the IRS for this. Wasn't the uh, I blame I, 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 yeah. I blame Obama, but the original <laughs> IRS. <That's> <laughs> the original IRS became the FBI, didn't it? No, that was the Treasury Department. Mm. So the same thing. That was that's like that's like uh, fucking Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson from The Untouchables. It's not it. I can't remember his name. Fucking that gave me fuck. cancer just listening to that. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to remember because I'm on the set. Be that I don't remember. Uh, Untouchables, Untouchables cast. Neil Neil. It's his name's Neil Elliot Ness. I wasn't even close. Well, yeah, I was like Neil deGrasse Tyson is a modern day scientist. Yeah, that's so. where I was wondering. <laughs> I knew that. I knew I was wrong with that one. Elliot Ness. Um, I also need to go back and watch that movie. After she was released, she was then again arrested, this time for vagrancy, and sentenced to another 90 days in jail. And then following that, she began a criminal career. (laughs) She went from brothel owner to homeless in, what, a month? Yeah, she was in jail for 90 days. Where was she supposed to go right after she got out? She probably lived at the she probably lived at the brothel. They they kicked her out of jail and immediately arrested her for vacancy. (laughs) That sounds like something California cops would do back in the 60s. They they she signed her papers to get released. She walked outside and an officer that was walking in for his shift was like, nope, (laughs) succumbed her and brought her back. Preaching's oh fair maiden. <laughs> so, oh my God. She found work as a nurse's aide caring for disabled and elderly people in private homes. Um, but And then she started a boarding house. She learned all of those uh, skills from her time as a... Um, well, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Later in the story, we'll get into what she did as a nurse. <laughs> she one of those like Black Mary Sue's or whatever. That's not a race thing. That's no. like that's yes, I, know. I think Jeff knows like what I'm the, talking like about. Like the Black Widow, like the yeah, that, like euthanasia that, yeah, that thing. type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. That sounded really bad. It's not that's not what I mean. It's a sex thing. Yeah. There we go. So she she divorced oh, yeah. uh, Axel in 1966 and then married Roberto Puente. Mm. A man 19 years younger than her. And His they married name was Fred. They married in Mexico City. He has um, this I long... Bet you, I bet you he was Canadian. <laughs> his, his name's Roberto. His middle name's Fred. He's Canadian, and they married in Mexico City. <laughs> yes. I like this headcanon. I love the backstory you're building for someone who's dead and already has a backstory. That yeah. sucks for them. Maybe they should yeah, have right? the cooler well, backstory. We told it better. Yeah, this is this this podcast is now turning into a based on true events movie where only ten percent needs to be accurate. <laughs> the marriage only lasted two years, and shortly after it ended, uh, Dor- Dorothea uh, took over a three-story, sixteen-bedroom care home at twenty-one hundred F Street in Sacramento. F was for Fred. See, there's a trend. So then she got married for the fourth time in 1976 to Pedro Montalvo. His, his middle name? Fred Rico. It wasn't Fred Rico. No, no, no. Fred Rick. <laughs> Everyone else was just Fred. This is Fred Rick. Uh, Fred, yes. 
Yeah, uh, well, he was a violent alcoholic, and the marriage only lasted a few months because then he started to spend time in local bars, or she started to spend time in local bars looking for older men who were receiving benefits, aka social security, because that's her uh, shtick. Definitely thought you meant hand yes. jobs. So the- I also <laughs> thought that's where you were going. Maybe so it's I not hand jobs. I could be horny. So she would then forge their signatures to steal their money but then was eventually caught and charged with 34 counts of treasury fraud. But then while on probation, she continued to commit the same fraud. So for, so I just like to state crimes like that. If you were a dude, you got sent to Alcatraz. You literally just got sent to Alcatraz for crimes like that. Yeah. So, and this is why men get paid more. Yes. <laughs> Damn. <hot take. laughs> yes. Um, so the in quality. 19, 19- 1981, she began renting an upstairs apartment at 1426 F Street. So, like, just down the road um, in downtown like Sacramento. This is like and this is, where, this is where the story really begins, because this is where everything happens. And it dun, dun, dun. is awful. It's so, be so hard to make fun of them now. <laughs> let's, 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 paint, let's paint a picture of Sacramento in the 80s. Growing city. Drugs getting bigger with a very high homeless population and an increasing homicide rate because of drugged up homeless people. Yeah. That sounds about you said Sacramento. Yep. I'm sure they have runoff of the AIDS problem from San Francisco too. Yeah. It's kind of a far go. I, I don't know anything about California geography. Um, but California is a hot spot for homeless people because of the benefits that they can get and the mild climate today. Yeah. Yeah. And the mild climate. Yeah. Yeah. You can be there year round. Cause it never fucking snows. If you're in the right spots. Yes. Yes. Don't forget the fires. Uh, yeah. Yes. Those will keep you warm. So in 1988, that's why it never snows. In June, <laughs> 1988, Judy Moyes, had um, an outreach program. That's not a name. That's not a name. <laughs> Judy Moise? Moise. M-O-I-S-E. Moise like Boise, Idaho? Like yeah. It's just Moise, though. She was in the documentary, and she said her own name. I think she probably knows how to pronounce it best. No, she don't. 10%. 10%. Well, Miss she... Boise. <laughs> She had an outreach program called Volunteers of America. At this time, the homeless population had a high mental illness rate, a.k.a. still does. Um, and Are you sure Judy, this is about the time they closed all of the asylums? Yes, because Ronald Reagan was lit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> and Judy was yeah. interested in someone named Alberto Gonzalez Montoya. We'll call him Bert the rest of the uh, episode. He was a schizophrenic who uh, basically only talked to the voices he heard in his head. Who, who amongst us doesn't have conversations with the voices, though? You're not wrong, but you're wrong. Oh. So what's she do? She goes and finds him a place to stay. That place is the boarding house only a couple blocks from the state capitol at 1426 F Street that is ran by Dorothea. I see. Um. So this property had great landscape, like well, well taken care of. Uh, but it was weird because Dorothea was in her seventies and was once a nurse um, at the Battle of uh, but 
Bataan in World War II. Bataan, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so sounds she like was, someplace in the Philippines. Yeah, seems about right. So, um, Dorothea seems would, about right. Dorothea would often donate money and clothes to local charities and hire parolees from a, ho- a halfway house to do yard work for. Her. Well, this is the part where I asked Nick, "Hey." What the fuck's the difference between a boarding house and a halfway house? And this is where Nick will now inform you on what the fuck the difference between those two things are. Drugs. That is the end of my statement. They are drugs. Uh, (laughs) I will actually go into detail. Uh, So a halfway house is called a halfway house because that's typically the halfway point of someone going from either a drug addiction or from jail into renormalizing themselves in the society and they live there for very low cost they do odd and end jobs it's it's not they're not nice but they're given three hots in a cot and for very little money and it's also a place that's because when you go on parole you need a permanent address this is a cheap permanent address that's able to be monitored by a parole officer um a boarding house so really the interesting thing about a boarding house isn't the difference between a boarding house and a halfway house if it's a boarding house and a hotel so a boarding house you're the difference between a boarding house and a hotel is the owner of the house is able to go into your room whenever they choose to you also typically share a communal bathroom, kitchen, and everything else. Um, again, the perk of a boarding house is cheap, three hots in a cot. Um, and this one is typically not drugs. This one, or criminals, this is mostly college students, missionaries, families, shit like that. Um, fugitives. Um, well, in the 80s, stuff like that. in the 80s, what seemed to be the difference from what I picked up from watching the documentary is yes, but halfway houses were more for parolees trying to get back into like integrated into the normal world. Boarding houses were for homeless people with drug addictions and mental illnesses to get off the streets and try to like better themselves today. That would all just be lumped into halfway house. Yeah. I don't think there are boarding houses anymore. Really? There are, I mean, there they're, are, they're long, but they're long-term stay hotels. That's basically you pay by the week for a room, for yeah. like a bed, and like you can. Th- these are more common in like Europe. I, I guess the European equivalent would be like a hostel, um, where like people you get murdered through Europe, finding themselves. Oh, not getting fucking murdered. no. Well, I mean, it depends on where you go. If you go to like Paris, yes. Um, is this like a bed and breakfast kind of deal? Yes, but you also not have to nice. share a bathroom. Yeah, yeah, not <laughs> as nice, and you share a bathroom. And also, it's not. It's. I mean, it's typically run by like a family and shit. But I, I guess a boarding house is more urban. And when I picture it, a boarding house is more urban, and like a bed and breakfast is kind of more rural or suburban. That's just in my head. Yeah, I mean. For the sake of it, we'll just say it's, it's... what Airbnbs used to be. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. Other than the fact that for, these for days, the... now, like there you'd get a meal. For the sake of this story, and at this time, we'll say halfway houses were for parolees and boarding houses were more for your homeless and mentally ill and drug addict people. 
At least that's who she took in. And my dick Ill. is for sitting. Tripod. Michael <laughs> <Hi>, Tower? <laughs> so Dorothea was, um, was loved because of her grandmotherly personality and charm. She also accepted anyone into her boarding house, no matter their past or their mental problems. Most of her tenants were elderly and had these health, like mental health problems. Also, one, one thing back in the day, Alzheimer's was just considered getting old. So, like, yeah. that wasn't considered a mental illness. That was just, oh, you're old and you're losing your mind. It was called being senile, uh, whereas today it's an actual medical problem. That we still don't know a lot about. No. Um, so she was also, as we got into with her little backstory there, um, she also knew how to work the system though, so that she could get more money from Social Security or however they got money so that they could get the max amount of Social Security that they could get at the time and then pocket it <laughs> herself. Yes. So Alberto God. moved in in February 3rd, 1988. Let's change that because I'm going to fuck that up later. Um, also at this time was a Vera Faye Martin, who um, they found out at this time uh, stayed only two days before leaving without a word. But in the business of running a boarding house, this is not uncommon. They oh. are drug addicts, they are homeless people, and they have mental illness. It's not likely that they're going to stick around for very long. Because also boarding houses aren't, like, she wasn't set up to really take care of a bunch of people with mental health problems. That's a... I'm sure she was trained by the state of California for things. Yeah. That she totally learned in the The prison. (laughs) School prison. Brothel University. That's BU. There was also a guy called um, who was 55 years old, and his name was Ben Fink, who lived there when Bert moved in. And like he was name. known as a heavy drinker. He would spend entire checks on giant binge drinking sessions. Honestly, who among us can judge? And then in April 1988, Bent went on a long binge and then disappeared. Who can? Who, people <laughs> who live in glass houses, who can really throw the first stone? As someone who was blackout by eight this past weekend and asleep by nine thirty, <laughs> I don't blame this man. As someone who's completely disappeared for four hours, I don't blame this man either. As someone who's woken up in a bathtub on several occasions, I get it. I'm so glad we could have this intervention with each other while still drinking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also eating jelly beans if that helps. That's gonna sit well with the wine. Yeah, that sugar rush is going to be lit. <laughs> uh, it doesn't taste good together. <laughs> um, so Bert seemed to be thriving while living with Dorothea. He had yeah. when <laughs> when Judy came back like a week or uh, a couple weeks later. Liquor store. No, Bert. Bert wasn't the alcoholic. He's the schizophrenic. Oh, I mean, still. Ben, Ben's gone. Ben's gone at this. Point. Oh, Ben's gone. Oh, Fucking forget Ben until I bring oh. him back up. Ben is no longer a person. No, I'm completely wiping him from my memory. I'm I'm, ve- I'm very invested in Ben, though. I hope he's okay. Bert seemed to thrive while living with Dorothea. 
he got not, uh, when Judy came back a week or a couple weeks later, he had really nice clothes on and he had a very nice haircuts. When I when you keep saying Judy, why am I picturing Judy Dench as the actress who will be playing this person in a movie? I, isn't that who is that? Isn't that the fucking chick from James Bond? Yeah, I wouldn't call her a chick anymore, but yeah, that's fair. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Fucking dog statement. <laughs> that hen that really taking some swings today. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for our second recording after this one where we're all nice and sloshed around. Uh, I'm so, waiting for my beer to get cold here. Let me then, some more mead. So so th- we're just getting right into stuff. We're we're picking up and we're going. So then in November of 1988, Judy files a missing persons report for Bert. But not Ben, because she fucking oh. hates Ben. Well, she didn't know Ben. <laughs> she dropped off I would, Bert I, here. I, I would she had never brought ben. anyone else here. She brought Bert here. <laughs> now now I'm picturing Judy Dench as what, how she looked in the movie Cats. I don't Jesus. want to picture anyone in the movie Cats. <laughs> All I think of is humans with giant cat buttholes. Remember, did you know that they wanted to include CGI buttholes on the cats? Yeah, that's why I just said what I said. Also... Oh. That that was a rumor and not actually true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wh- how many rumors are actually based in fact? Most of them, mm. if not all, entirely factual. <laughs> really, what is a rumor if not a fact? <laughs> huh. I th- I feel like you're Judy Dench in the movie Cats <laughs> now. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so on November seventh. Judy talks with office with an officer and states that Bert has been missing for several weeks at this point and that his disappearance doesn't add up or make any sense. Well, that's because they were too busy looking for Ben. So I mean probably. <laughs> Soon after um after this uh phone call that she made, uh one of her staff tells Judy that Bert went to Mexico with someone Dorothea knows and to visit her brother who is a doctor there. I don't know if her doctor had a cure for schizophrenia or something, but why? Yeah, lithium. (laughs) Shove a battery up his butt. I think that's, I like to think that's how an old lobotomy works. (laughs) Those are terrifying. It's a spooky thing. So she then confronted Dorothea Dorothea about this, and she told Judy that uh, Bert would be back in a couple of days. So a couple of days after Judy involves the police, she gets a call from a man who gives her a name and then quickly changes it to a different name, saying that he literally on the phone goes, I am, says his actual name, and then goes, no, wait, I'm, I can't remember the other name he gave, and then says, I'm Bert's uncle, and that he's, he's with me in Utah. And then Dorothea calls her right after saying, oh, yeah, no, that information's true. Sounds legit. I wouldn't question it. So Judy, what, then, you, do you what, what if he had way? a really long, confusing foreign name and had also had yeah. an English name, like they do was... in, like what they do in China and Japan, yeah. where they have two names? It's not yeah, that. What if, what if it was like Esteban Rodrigo, whatever that guy's name is from Zach and Cody, and then, <laughs> and then his real his English name was Mike. Yeah, was we'll Fred. get to that later. Um... <laughs> Judy. It was Ben. It's Ben. <laughs> that sly fox. 
Judy then calls Officer Ewing and tells him to go to the boarding house because the story didn't add up. She told him to speak with John Sharp, who was a tenant at the boarding house when she dropped off Ben or Bert, not Ben. Ben confirms. Ben? God damn it. <laughs> um, and that he that uh, John Sharp had no mental illness and did not use drugs, so he would be able to provide info. So Officer Ewing, Ewing shows up. Dorothea is very polite to him, answers all of his questions, doesn't stutter, nothing, doesn't hesitate, answers them all perfectly, and then proceeds to show him around the house. He then talks to John Sharp and a couple other tenants. John Sharp also confirms the story about Bert being picked up by a relative days prior. So Officer Ewing now, having been told that he is a reliable source by Judy, goes, all right, that's the end of this. I'm going to leave. So, I would also trust the Judy Dench. Officer I'm Ewing, also sure you got some of that good old classic hand job. Yep. Brothel good old classic hand job. Brothel esque. Did you do you think her hand jobs? Do you think she went until the chunky red salsa came out? <laughs> Move on. I don't like this anymore. Uh huh. <laughs> So Officer Ewing goes to leave, but as he's leaving, John Sharp follows him out and hands him a note as he's walking away that has another address on it and asking for the officer to meet him there later so because he has more information. I definitely thought it was going to be like a Wile E. Coyote Roadrunner situation where the note just said, look up, and he looks up and there's just a piano falling onto him. Yes, because that's easy to coordinate. <laughs> if a fucking Roadrunner can do it, then... <laughs> Yeah, the person honestly, certainly can. Honestly, I'm the stupid one for questioning it. <laughs> yeah. I'm the idiot. So when they uh when the officer and John uh met later, John told Officer Ewing that Dorothea had told all the tenants to tell the same story about Bert leaving with a relative and that it was not true. John Sharp also tells the officer that the night Ben Fink left, quote-unquote, the house. He heard a sound of something being dragged down the stairs. Yeah, it was him getting rid of all the alcohol bottles. He's just throwing them. He's Donkey Konging yeah. them down the fucking yeah. stairs. Are you trying to imply that someone would kill such a nice man as Ben Fink? No. Okay, he is immortal. It's from all the alcohol. Yes. Um, then he told him another story of a strange odor coming from a, one of the rooms in the house. He ends the conversation with the officer saying that there was also suspicious holes being dug in the yard and that he thought bodies were being buried in them. It's just dogs. Yeah. There was a pack of wild dogs in the town. He, they he just watched Sacramento. <laughs> he, wa he watched the parolees digging them. Oh. And those parolees were dogs. I don't know what you... Yeah, I know. I, where's the question here? Yeah. With this info, Fine, the officer idiot. contacted Detective Sarge Detective Sergeant John Cabrera of Missing Persons and Homicide for Sacramento. So John then went on to find out that Dorothea is on parole for forgery of social security checks and for drugging her victims during 1981 and 82 when she posed as a nurse and drugged four victims to seal their jewelry and credit cards. And then when she was arrested, they found tickets to Mexico in her purse. Well, I'm sure it was nice that time of year. You win some, you lose some. What do you want? Coincidence. <laughs> yeah. What do you want? 
You'd be surprised how many times coincidences cause people to go to jail. <laughs> yeah, honestly, and you'd be amazing how many times I actually end up with a ticket to Mexico in my pocket. It's wild. Um, she was released in 1985 for good behavior. Cabrera also found out that Dor- Dorothea was actually only 59 years old, not 70, like she had told everyone else. Oh, man, she must have aged very well. She had fake teeth, and she had, like, silver white hair, so she played off a 70-year-old very easily. I like to think that, like, when they confronted her, she started running like it was parkour. She just fucking bolted it and started fucking parkouring over cars and shit. It's like in Jackass when the dudes dress up as old ladies and just fucking annihilate people in skateboarding and shit. It's like the old guys from Night at the Museum. So... (laughs) Dick Van Dyke and uh, yeah. what? What's the guy's name that just Mickey died? Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Mickey yeah, just died. Is like Mickey 10 Rourke? Years That's ago. not it. Is that Mickey Rourke? No, Is no, no. Right? It's not Mickey Rourke. Not Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Uh, Mickey Rooney. Mickey, Rooney. I mean, it Mickey was close. Rourke was an Iron Man too. <laughs> yeah. Mickey Rourke used to be really hot and then got a fuck ton of plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like lost all of his muscle mass. Yeah. Cabrera then meets with Judy. <laughs> and ask her what she wants the police to do because that's the number one step in being a police officer especially a detective ask what one of the witness like one of your i don't even know what you would call her she's not a victim she's not a suspect (laughs) like one of the informants i guess i know like i don't know good citizens Good Samaritan. Yeah. Well, yeah, you would just you would just ask your Good Samaritan what a the citizen? fuck we should do. Yeah, just a citizen. <laughs> hey, what what should we do? So she says, Brand go citizen. She says, go to the house with shovels. So, Cabrera so and a couple walked other... into the house and they were like, "What the fuck do we bring these shovels for?" And then they left. So Cabrera and a couple other officers go to Dorothea. They question her and tell her why they are there. She isn't mad and doesn't hesitate to answer questions again. She even agrees to a search of the house. So now these fuckers no longer need a search warrant. Mistake number one. Yeah, never, <laughs> never, never give permission for someone to search anything. Your house or your car. Never do that without a warrant. Um, they search everywhere in the house, even including like knocking on walls to see if maybe there's bodies in them or something. Um, so Cabrera doesn't find anything, but he does find two prescription bottles in Dorothea's room. One of them is overflowing. The cap doesn't even fit on it with blue capsules that no one knows what the fuck they are. And the other one is empty and found thrown in the corner of the room. That empty pill bottle has the name Dorothy Miller on it. When confronted on who that was, Dorothea said it was a relative who recently stayed with her and must have left the bottle behind. Facts. So after they asked her, like that those questions they asked if they could dig in her yard because he had info that there might be a body somewhere and she agrees right away and even gave them an extra shovel to help dig so this is the that weird like dynamic of people who think oh if i cooperate i'll get easier time that works for a fucking pot bust that doesn't work for murder Maybe she thought, like, if I just cooperate, they won't search too hard. Proof. And I'll be able to get away. I mean, it was the 80s who knew. So this allowed the officers again to not need a search warrant. 
So they started digging in the three different locations that they had been told by John Sharp that he saw people digging. After about 40 minutes, um, they started digging up materials of like just cloth and then pieces of leather. After a little bit more digging, they hit something that they couldn't get out with their shovels. So Cabrera gets in the hole and starts to pull on it until he, with such force, rips it out, falls onto his ass, and looks in his hands, and he has a fucking femur bone in him. Why did I think he was going to find the Holy Grail? When they showed this to Dorothea, she acted shocked and confused by the human remains, as one would probably do. So, this was on a Friday. Next day, Saturday, November 12th, the corpse was found to be of an elderly female and not Bert, so they started digging more. Dorothea then walked up and asked Cabrera if she was under arrest, which technically at this time she was not. They had no proof that this body was done by her or anything. It's just on her property. Um, so, he... Uh, she told them that she was feeling nervous and unwell and would like to grab a coffee at the corner hotel with a relative. And the police did not see her as a flight flight risk. So they allowed it. This is the only thing they fucked up. Let me tell you this. This this is the only thing they fucked up because they did super well this entire investigation except for this stupid fucking idea. I don't know. Asking the random citizen what to do in an investigation was pretty stupid. Eh. Yeah, but, like, you can also just do or not do what she says. So, I mean, like, it doesn't play a huge factor if you just still do what you were going to do. So, only 20 minutes after she left, they found another body. They tell the commander. The commander then ran to the hotel where she was supposed to be having coffee and found that she was gone. They realized the reason she asked when she did was because she knew that they were about to find a body in the exact location that they had just started digging. So, please go to a neighbor. They uh, question him, and he said back in May he smelt something foul uh, from her house, and she told him that uh, she had just spread fertilizer, and that was probably what he was smelling. The next day, he found 24 human teeth in his backyard. It did nothing about it. Wait, what? Kept them. He gave them to him for evidence right then and there. You don't find 24 I, human teeth like uh, every other I day? Would- well, no, I'd call the cops and then I'd call the priest. Especially back in that day, you should probably call some Native Americans and make sure you're not on some old burial ground, too. I mean, we we start with the priest and, like, work our way down. Why's the priest at the top? I would definitely call the police and then a priest oh, yeah, and well, then the poli- Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's yeah. <laughs> that would that, be my order. And if the Native Americans failed, then we could start working our way down faiths. So after they found this body, they removed the shed, dug in there, found two more bodies. Yeah. Then they went to the front yard where they found another body, but this body was missing its head, hands, and feet. Anyone missing teeth? Well, yeah, the guy missing his head. We'll get to that. I hate that. <laughs> oh, that's that's comforting. Thank so, you. after finding more bodies, they decide to go inside and search some more because they don't need a fucking search warrant again. So they check everything down to, to the fucking core. They find a book that was literally called. This is the title: "Drugs and Their Side Effects." <laughs> they also found an ID 
of Dorothy Miller that had Dorothea's picture on it. So she was taking victims' IDs and putting her picture on them and keeping their name. I wonder so, if she passed her as a Ben or as a... Bert. So they continue searching through rooms. Maybe a like. Fred. Yeah. So they kept searching rooms and found a room where she would keep the bodies for weeks before burying them. This is where everyone always had a like smelt and odor. They tore up the carpet. There was like body fluid stains on the like on the floorboards. There was just fuck. They would sit there for weeks and they would just start decomposing and liquids would go everywhere. That's where all the fucking horrible odor came from. So after Usually digging around, they they ended up finding seven bodies in your yard and two of them were buried under the shed in the back. So the coroner found out that the leather items that they found when digging up the first body was actually human flesh that from decomposing had flaked off and hardened. I mean, I can see it like it's fossils. So they then contact um, social security office actually contacts them and says, Hey, we'll help you identify these bodies because none of them have fucking teeth except for two of them. So the Social Security office sent over a list of everyone who had received Social Security at that address for the past four years, which was extremely beneficial to the entire investigation. Then one family, after this case broke loose, called the police and told them that a a, um, 77-year-old relative of theirs had left for California to marry someone named Dorothea Punte in 1986. And... Dorothea, up until the case broke, had actually still been sending them letters about that were like, quote unquote, from him. But the police knew nothing about him. Then another family came forward about their mother, Ruth, who had moved in with Dorothea in 1982. And then on April 27th, 1982, he, um, her son visited her at this house. And she was laying in bed and not feeling well, which was weird because he had visited her the day before and she was drinking alcohol, which he said she had never, she never, she didn't drink. And she, he asked her why. And she said, oh, I was feeling unwell. So Dorothea made me this drink saying it would call my nerves. Next day, that's when the sun came and she was in bed. She couldn't move. She wasn't feeling well. He told her everything will be okay. Dorothea's here. She's taking care of you. Next day, he gets a call saying that she died. Um, the cause of death was uh, found to be a suicide by overdose. And um, after this arrest, they found out that Dorothea had killed her by overdosing her. Then on November 16th, the police got a call from a handyman saying he had just left a bar where he had had drinks with Dorothea and that she was asking him a lot of questions about Social Security because he was pulling from Social Security. Um, so he straight up just told them the address she was staying in LA. They go, they, they knock on the door. She answers. She admits to cashing the security, social security checks, but none of the killings. Then this is where all the fun comes in. All the bodies start getting identified. They ID first Ben Fink. Ben! Oh, wait, I was supposed to forget who's Ben. Ben's alive, right? No, first body of the Still ID. to this day? No? No. He's alive? Are you? Nope. What a, I'm sure they... It was the 80s. They probably mis-ID'd him. He's probably fine. Check his fingerprints. Yeah. How do, do you... They, do they sequence his <laughs> DNA? So how would you do, do that? that? How would you do that with a corpse? 
Well, they didn't sequence his DNA, so clearly they aren't certain. Why are, why are you questioning? Hey, when did that come out, Nick? <laughs> Some point in the, I mean, two, like 2001, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Second, they ID, um, they ID Dorothy Miller. Then Burt Montoya, the one who they originally went for. Then James Gallup, Leona Carpenter, Vera, uh, Vera Faye Martin, and Betty Palmer. That one always screws me up because her first name is spelled the same as Nick's last name, and it really fucks me up. So, I, I don't know what you want me to do with that. <laughs> nothing, but these are like the last three sentences, so we'll be wrapped up here in a second. Hot. Um, they found a pattern with the bodies that they were all wrapped in a very particular way and with the same materials. So they put out a word to other agencies in like the area to see if there were any other cases like this. And some came back. In 1986, there was a body found in another county with, that was wrapped in the same way. That body was of the man who left for Callie to marry her. Yeah. So he basically showed up. She killed him and then wrote letters to his family. To just playing it off. This checks out. Then uh, in 93, Dorothea finally stands trial for the nine murders. The seven bodies that they found and the two that they put together. One was Ruth, who she killed. And then this man who came to marry her. Did they ever find Ruth's body? Or identify Ruth's body? They didn't have to find it. It was already, like, when she died in her house, the police showed up and, like, took the body because they ruled it as a overdose. So they okay. had already had her body. They didn't have to ID her. Cool, cool, cool. cool, cool, cool. Duh, 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 duh. So she stood trial for nine murders. The defense made their story about how they had all died from natural causes and that she buried them to keep their social security checks. So they, yet again, said, yes, she was stealing so money from social security. Yes, her defense was fraud, but that she didn't kill anyone. And then Dorothea did not give a testimony, and she was convicted of only three of the murders. The judge mistrialed the other six. I mean, that's still a very long sentence. Well, yes, because three of, the, three of the other ones were 11 to 1 votes, 11 for guilty and one for non-guilty on three of them, and the other two he just were, like, split even. So it was, it was a hung jury, basically, yeah. on the... Other six, all right. Um, she was then sentenced to life in prison without parole for two counts and then 25 to life for the third. And if I am correct, let me find out. I'm pretty sure she's dead now because she was old. Yeah, she was born in 29. She, my grandmother was born in 29. She would be 93. Four? Um, she died in 2011. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um. So a lot no. of times when they say like you're serving life in prison, it's like a hundred years, right? Like you're serving a hundred years. I have an excuse. I have an answer to that. Well, I'm just saying, is that, is that accurate? Is what I just said accurate? So um, it's usually uh, like, they're usually minimum 25 years for life sentences. Yeah. So, so the whole point behind that is sentencing. If you, if you sentence someone to 25 to life, that means after 25 years, they're eligible for parole. Uh, parole. If you sentence them to 351 years and seven months, they die in prison because they're never eligible for parole. Yeah, so so you could sentence someone to 100 years in prison. And what happens if, like, a 15-year-old uh, is... They, well, I'm, they well like, uh, if a 15-year-old 
kills someone, they sentence him to 100 years and the fucker lives to be 120. Could Like those last fi- five years yeah. of his life, could he like still come he out could. as a free yeah, man? No, he, he would. Uh, it's just even though it's like healthcare sucks. Well, like they might say like it's a life sentence, but technically it's 100 years and he leaves after 100 years. Yeah, no, that that would, yeah. Okay. That was just oddity question, because I know but, a lot of times in, like, TV, I hear, yeah. like, life sentences are 100 years so or something like that. What'll, so what will happen is that, like, if you, if someone is convicted of five murders and they're sentenced, and they're convicted, and they're sentenced to a lifetime, to 25 <clears throat> years to life, that's typically served um, consecutively. So that means all, sent- all of these sentences well, are ticking at the same time so once they hit 25 years eligible for parole on all of these charges if if they sentence them to 100 years for each charge then they're never getting out well yeah that's, that's 500 years yeah that's would typically, you that's typically for like stupid heinous crimes would you like to know who has and what the longest um sentence has ever been is it still being carried out like in terms of time frame technically yes 100 cool. oh yes it will be for a very 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 long time i'm interested nick i think you might be able to guess just take a guess it's someone that's fairly well known oh uh golden state killer <laughs> no. no jeffrey dahmer no jeffrey dahmer is also dead so technically this is done well i thought we were just talking about the longest sentence oh yeah ever. no he his also isn't even on this list mm. bernie madoff just died so i don't, I don't no. know who. terry nichols the guy who did the uh, 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, oh, the collaborator. Yeah. Would you like the to know? That... W- would you like to know what his sentence? Just take a guess of what his sentence is. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, 800 years. I was gonna say 437 years. 161 life sentences plus 9,300 years without parole. Yeah. He never gets out. You might ever. You might. No. no. What are they going to do? Chronolo- I mean, chronologically put- preserve a prisoner, a terrorist. They've, they've been putting pig hearts in people. Science is crazy right now. <laughs> it is. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, that's a line from a Will Ferrell movie that I don't remember. I think it's Anchorman. <laughs> that sounds I was about right. Leaving you. All right. Well, you guys I got any? You. you guys got any last last words? So, like, Ben's alive, right? Yeah. I'll let, you, alive. Dude, I told, I'll let you think whatever you, the fuck they, you want. They, they misidentified him. They didn't, there's no DNA testing. Yeah, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't test his fingerprints. So, no pictures, no proof. Yeah, honestly. I, I, he's probably like, still on that bender. He probably went to, like, Cancun. He's, just he's, probably, at, it up. he's probably in Atlantic City. <laughs> no one dies in Atlantic City. Jesus. Facts. Nick, you got anything you want to add to this? <laughs> I'm, I'm last thoughts? Okay. Yeah, Ben's fine. Okay. All right. I agree with Adam. Ben's fine. There, I want everyone to know that's listening. There was no conspiracy theory about this episode, but I guess there is fucking now. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is our what? fourth conspiracy theory the episode. Do you almost, trust the feds almost, enough to identify almost, a body? Almost 30 years after the trial happened and hmm. 10 years after she died, we have a conspiracy now. Yeah. Ben's alive. He's I'm sorry, kicking. Jeff. That you, yeah, I'm sorry, Jeff. You don't. Believe I'm sorry that you're not cultured, Ben. <laughs> I'm not cultured. Yeah. It's yeah. me not being cultured ben. that doesn't yeah, exactly. allow me to believe that Ben's alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I, I like how he uses the word believe as if there's any question that Ben's <laughs> yeah. actually alive. I'll, uh, you'll notice that phrasing. You'll notice how silly it is. What was ben, or what is Ben's last name? Ben Fink. Fink. Ben Fink. Got you. Get his name tattooed on my ass. <laughs> Jesus I'm going to get it tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> on that, that sounds note. extremely painful. <laughs> On that note, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Drunken Jurors. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at You Hate to See It. Specifically on Twitter, it is at Y-O-U-H-8-2-C-I-T. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere that you can find podcasts, and that does include Pandora. I remembered this time. I expect a cake next episode. Um, <laughs> um, I will give you one. Hold on. One green apple jelly bean. Oh, wow. You're more generous than I was. (laughs) All right, thanks. Also, if you want to to go to Podbean and uh, type in You Hate to See It, and then up in the upper right-hand corner, there is a Become a Patron button uh, for different amounts of monies. There's different tiers that give you different stuffs, and it's pretty lit. It also helps us get better equipment for the podcast it goes back to the podcast i love how this entire episode was just making jeff's life a living hell (laughs) yeah i I have like a total of three hours to edit to be fair for two weeks i've heard nothing but adam you need to talk more so here i am (laughs) the last episode i remember seeing like three parts the entire time i edited an hour 15 episode where you talked i gotta catch up He's, he's got a lot of walking awesome. left to do. All right, well, Hick, do your thing. Professionals have standards, and Ben's alive. Pussy, 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 pussy. Gets it. Ben gets it, too. Have <laughs> you got anything? I did my thing. Yeah, that's what I assumed that was. All right, well, <laughs> thanks, everyone. We appreciate you.